black science guy. I teach me something I don't know. What makes water turn to ice? Paper rocks with each tool. Okay, come and have a sip. Let me tell you what it is. And just like a Bunsen burner, I'm about to get this lit. See, my specialty is biology, but I can teach you a whole lot of knowledge. See, from astronomy to zoology, what I want you to do is follow me like cell division. It's my mission, right down the middle, with precision to the moon, just like a rocket. Spark up your neurons, light to a socket. It's that science drip, not abstract like you tip. Got my lab fully equipped, fast like a silicon chip. So check the scientific method, but that's not an illusion. Don't skip the vital step. Now you jump a new conclusion. Start on nuclear fusion, cause I'm as bright as the sun. I can't divide into two, so you know I'm the one. I'm Isaac Newton's favorite son. Setting laws in the motion, deep like the Mariana Trench at the bottom of the ocean. So listen to me now. I don't know how long it lasts. The black science guy showing yo, it's the podcast. Man, are you serious? Y'all actually came back. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of the Black Science Guy Podcast. I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable now that I've gotten that first episode in the books. But the response, though, whew, the response, though, has been tremendous so far. I see you, Brussels, Belgium. Hello and bonjour. You know, I've missed you since the last episode, but I gotta tell you, feel like I need to give you space. No, 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 wait, come back. I mean, I want to talk about space. You know, Final Frontier, Take My Love, Take My Land. That's a Firefly reference, by the way, if you didn't know. There's as many infinite secrets in the universe as there is infinite space as far as we're concerned. And we've only just barely started to explore our little corner of the Milky Way galaxy. Back in 1977, NASA launched the Voyager 1 and 2 spacecrafts whose sole purpose is to collect data and give us a better look at our galaxy as well as our universe. These probes have already left our heliosphere, the region of space that surrounds our entire solar system, and are now currently traveling through interstellar space. These are the first man-made objects to travel away from the Earth and our solar system and are still transmitting data to us today. If you ever want to see exactly where the Voyager probes are today, currently, check out NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab webpage. The URL is in the description. This is the website where the Voyager probes are being tracked and is still recording data that's being transmitted to us today. Yo, when I was a kid though, I used to love stargazing up into the sky. I still do. But as much as it fascinated me, it also used to scare me a little. Like who knows what's hiding in the darkness of space. And that's exactly what this episode is about. We're going to explore some of those unseen objects that's right above our heads. Let's get it. Something that has always intrigued and frightened me are rogue planets. These are planets that are broken away from their orbital plane revolving around a home star or some other type of larger celestial body. This may be due to something knocking it out of its orbit or some other type of violent or explosive event or even if the larger body's gravitational pull game is weak. The reason they freak me out is because these ginormous worlds are just drifting around the darkness of space alone. There are billions of them just wandering throughout our very galaxy. You never know where they're hiding, moving, or even if they can be noticing enough time. Not that that would help save us. I don't want to be a part of a cosmic game of bowling. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. 
Now that name may sound familiar to some of you and that's because it's the title of a 1988 movie, but in this context, I'm talking about the star in the constellation of Orion. Betelgeuse is a red supergiant that's located in the right shoulder of the constellation. It's nearly 750 to 950 times larger than our own sun and roughly 141,863 times the size of our Earth. The distance between us is about 640 light years, so it takes the light from this star about 800 light years to reach Earth. The reason I'm talking about Betelgeuse specifically is because in recent years, the light that's been detected from the supergiant has been fluctuating. One explanation scientists have is this is because the star may be dying or has already gone supernova, exploding or ejecting its mass. Hey, for all we know, Betelgeuse may have already gone supernova and it may not even exist anymore. So every time we peep it in our night sky, we could possibly be looking at a ghost. If and when Betelgeuse were to go supernova, the Earth would have to be within 10 light years for it to affect us as far as us being blasted by radiation and charged particles. Researchers believe that we would actually be able to see the light emitted from this explosion and it would be as bright as a full moon in our skies. Speaking of stars going supernova, what is the end result of an exploding star? Well, depending on its size and density, it can collapse in on itself and become a neutron star or develop into a black hole. Black holes are one of the most dangerous objects in the universe. Nothing, I mean nothing, escapes the gravitational pull of a black hole. Just think of it as once you go black, you never come back. Not even light can escape the pull of one of these monsters. They gobble up everything that drifts within their event horizon and can even distort space-time. Theoretically, if you were to fall into a black hole, you would be split into two different realities. In one reality, you would immediately perish. Just gone. Finished. You're done. But in that other reality, hypothetically, you would survive. Why is this? It's because the rules of physics are being broken. Black holes can warp time and space so much that they switch roles. There is so much more about this subject and many more areas of physics that can help explain this phenomenon a lot further. Okay, y'all, there's something strange going on here. And I think it's a strange science fact. Today's strange science fact is all about food that was created from byproducts of the human body. This one can be filed under just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. A fair warning, if you're munching on your little snacky snack right now, you might want to pause this or put the sandwich down for a sec. Okay? Alright. Researchers in Japan have found a way to synthesize steak from human feces. No joke. What they've done is isolated proteins in human waste to create this concoction. Scientists collected bacterial specimen from sewage and extracted their proteins, then recombining them with fats and carbohydrates. Now, let me be clear, as follows this sounds, they are not using actual, like, raw waste. What they've extracted has been cultured and grown in a sterile environment. But this doesn't mean that pathogens, harmful organisms, aren't still present. This process could possibly be utilized when we start colonizing other planets or even for long-term space travel. Are you still hungry after that? Well, here's a second helping. A medical student used her own vaginal bacteria to make yogurt. Chobani? More like nobani. A healthy vagina has lactobacillus, the very same bacteria that is contained in cheese and yogurt. To start her experiment, she used an actual yogurt starter, her own brand 
so to speak, as the second starter, and just plain milk as a control to create this experiment. After letting it sit overnight, her experiment actually worked. But please don't try this at home because it's not only lactobacilli you'll be collecting, you could possibly pick up some pathogens or some other harmful organisms. This episode's science question comes from Linus M. in Michigan, and he asks, Dear Black Science Guy, why do cheetahs have spots? Well, thank you for your excellent question. There's a couple possible reasons cheetahs have spots. One reason is spots can be used as camouflage to protect and hide them as cubs from hyenas and lions or or whatever other predators they may be susceptible to. As the mother hunts for food, her cubs are left in a vulnerable state, so the spots are a way to help them to hide. As the cubs get older and their fur grows longer, both the spots and furs serve as camouflage to assist the grown-up cheetahs in now stalking their prey. Their distinct coloring and texture can now blend into the grasses they inhabit, giving them stealth advantage on top of superior speed. Hey, if you have an everyday science question that's just bugging you, you can ask the Black Science Guy Lab at blackscienceguypodcast at gmail.com. And if I answer your question, I might just send you a little something. Well, once again, I would like to thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Black Science Guy podcast. I really appreciate y'all for being here, and I really enjoy bringing this to you. So remember, I don't have all the answers. No one does. But what I do know, I'm happy to share. And what I don't, we can learn together. Peace. Please check out the Black Science Guy podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts.